having looked at every name in the portal for like three months. Um, yeah, <laughs> we, we won't talk about how you can do that. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, number one. It's so, Beeberry 51. Is that what it is? No. <laughs> <laughs> Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. Covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, Dustin Lindstrom, and Matt Cavender. Welcome to Episode 5, Season 3 of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, presented by Tech Hockey Guide. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Dustin Lindstrom. Hey, everyone. Rob Gilreath. Hey, guys. And Matt Cavender makes his return after a couple of weeks off. How you doing, Matt? I'm I'm doing all right. Hopefully, you know, barring no sickness or family emergencies, we'll be able to stick this whole one out. All right, that's good. Our special guest this week is Brad Sloshman from the Grand Forks Herald. Thanks for joining us, Brad. Absolutely. Uh, this week we'll chat with Brad for the first part of the podcast covering the NCHC. Tim Danahy, is that how you say it? Yep. We'll see what else we get into when it comes to North Dakota and the NCHC. And then when we're done with uh, that chat, we'll recap last weekend for Michigan Tech, the Joe Sean Hour, and some of the things going on in the CCHA. Uh, we don't have any games to preview this week. And then next week, I think we'll kind of do our our season predictions since we're a little behind on stuff, but we have a week without games. So I think that's what we'll do next week. All right, let's do the thank you notes, plus a brief note from our sponsors and come back and talk with Brad Slot. Fibke Dental is a general dentistry practice located in downtown Rhinelander, Wisconsin, home of the Hodag. Look online at FibkeDental.com or find them on Facebook. They do pain-free dentistry for kids, adults, people that went to great schools, and people that ended up at Northern Michigan. Stop in and say hi between 8 and 5 and tell them THG sent you. That is F-I-E-B-K-E Dental.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. Let's get right into things with Brad Flashman. Let's start off with a fun one. You always seem to have a stat for everything when it comes to North Dakota, North Dakota alumni, or the NCHC. How how are you pulling that off? You got a giant database somewhere or a bunch of pivot tables or what's going on there? I, I do enjoy my stats. Uh, I, I think it's uh, fun. I, I enjoy looking them up, researching them. I, I do have a couple areas I pull stats from. Um, and I think part of it is the, the longer you do it, you know where to look for stats. So it doesn't take as much time when you think of something and you want to know, Oh, I wonder when the last time that's happened or, uh, something along those lines, you can go and find it out pretty quick. Uh, for example, uh, you know, Jake Schmaltz scored, um, 
in his first game for North Dakota this season. And his cousins, Jordan and Nick, both played at North Dakota. And someone in the press box said, ah, I bet his, uh, he has a one-up on his cousins. I bet his cousins didn't do that. And I said, well, we can look this up real quick. So within 15 seconds, I looked and I saw, sure enough, both of his cousins did it too. So uh, kind of a, a fun stat there that all three of the cousins scored in their first game. But part of it's knowing where to look and part of it's enjoying uh, looking up stats. Yeah, that's uh, that's fun. I, I love. I get a kick out of seeing all the things you have. Like what? What was it? Uh, didn't somebody become like the hundred and eighth alum to score an NHL goal this weekend? Uh, just to play in the NHL. Yeah, I'll play. He, okay. Or in his first game, but yeah, a hundred and eight total North Dakota players have played in the NHL, and I I do have a list there of all a hundred and eight. It is fun to see all the the tradition and everything that you've got with North Dakota and and how many different things you have to draw on when it comes to that stuff. A lot of a lot of our stuff when stuff happens seems like we've got to go back all the way to like the seventies to get answers a lot of times. And I don't have a good resource for some of that stuff. Um, over the years, I've worked on building some of that stuff. Like I've got. I've got a spreadsheet that's got the entire coaching staff back to the beginning and who were the assistants and all that stuff. Mm. Cause we were, we were intrigued to see when Joe got hired, I think it was the first time in 20 some years that we hadn't had a, a Michigan tech, a former tech player on the staff. Um, mm-hmm. And then that changed again this year now with Shalas joining the staff, but it's, it's always fun to, to figure out those things and have those in your back pocket when, uh, when something cool does happen. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's. I enjoy looking them up and researching them, and there's places you have good resources for. I find that it's easier to research um, in the internet era uh, once you get pre 1999 or so. Then all of a sudden, um, then you're, you know, it becomes more challenging. You have to rely on media guides, and so yeah, you're looking for that one guy that has all the media guides. I've got a bunch of them sitting around here. They don't print them anymore. But yep. back from like the WCHA uh, days in the 2005 era, everyone was printing them. And when you went into every press box, they handed you one. Yep. So <laughs> it's, I have a bunch of them like sitting around here from random teams that every once in a while I'll reference if I need to go uh, earlier than that. Most of them put them online now, but uh yeah, yeah, I actually have. Uh, I don't know if I have any tech ones laying around my house, but I always remember as a nerdy little kid grabbing them and like looking through them and you know leafing through them when they were around. Kind of speaking of stats, I guess it makes it sound like you draw a lot of your stats from college hockey stats when you go looking for stuff. It's it certainly has been a staple for us. I know when I built my my own pairwise tool so I could start fiddling with stuff and seeing how things affected things. Uh, I pulled everything from their their schedule page, and it's sad to see it gone and, and how much work uh, I'll have to do if I actually want to make that thing work again. <laughs> um, but you did, you had a really nice article on Tim Danahy and, and all he meant to college hockey. Uh, how much fun was that going through that with him and, and going over that? Yeah, I mean, uh, just reference the fact that you know, 99 is the point where we have great records going back to, and that's because of Tim Danahy. He started uh, collegehockeystats.net in 99, um, 
it's an unbelievable resource. Uh, besides just the info on it, it's all uh, like a text-based site. So every page loads in like an instant. You don't have to wait for like ads or photos to, you know, load up and it doesn't take, you know, it, it loads just in an instant. You can find uh, everything so easily. I'm finding that my weekend preview stuff to get all that data. I'm going to all these different sites and it's taken so much longer right now. Um, the other thing he was unbelievable at, uh, making sure all the statistics were right. Uh, I've seen a lot of errors and Tim would catch these errors and he even had, you know, programs written that would catch them. So, uh, the SIDs, for example, power plays, they would manual manually enter how many power plays there were each night. Well, Tim wrote, uh, a script that when they sent in their thing, if it if they put in a team was over six on the power play, it would automatically fix it and say actually it was over seven because it it could tell by when the penalties were called and stuff. And so the the numbers were accurate. Um, it was reliable. Uh, he he always knew which games were exhibition or which were regular season. You know there's already a problem with the an exhibition game being listed as regular season and. Uh, you know, of course, everyone pulls that data from the same spot. And now all of a sudden records are wrong because that was, you know, uh, he just did so many things I don't think people realized. And he was also the guy who, uh, when coaches had pairwise questions or conferences did, they go to him. Um, when Hockey East last year, they have everyone playing these different games. So they need to determine the formula to pick their seeding for their conference tournament. Well, who did they turn to? Tim Danahy. Um, the NCHC wants when they're starting their conference, how many games do they play a conference schedule? Who do they ask for data on how do they get more teams in the tournament? Tim Danahy. Tim Danahy still does their scheduling for them. Um, he, <laughs> he's just been an unbelievable resource for college hockey. And the other thing, you know, he, he really treated um, the men's and women's game, the division one and division three game the same. Uh, they all had the same platform. Uh, he took the same care uh, of all those teams uh, equally. And I think that was something that was really important uh, for all divisions of college hockey. Yeah, that, like you said, that page definitely looks like it was written in 1999. Mm -hmm. But it gets the data across exactly what you need. There's no frills. There's no fancy rendering of anything that looks pretty. It's just, it's just the numbers and that in and of itself, I think is almost a, you know, a beauty and a, a design feature of the old page. So it's definitely, it's something that just, you take for granted. It's almost always been there. It feels like, but uh, it being gone is a huge thing. When you it's, also, it's also crazy how ahead of its time it was. Like I go and find um, a game from November of 2003 and what Michigan Tech's lines were in that game in 10 seconds. Yep. Yep. That's how long it would take me to pull a line chart from a game. It, it's like, if, if you want to find out who played on what line in the NHL in November, 2003, good luck finding that. But college hockey, you can, can you even find that for yesterday. I, I mean, every, every like every app I look at just lists players. It doesn't have like nice line charts for hockey that I've seen. 
Correct. It's, and that's, that's been something I've, when I've tried to see who's playing on what line, I have to go to the Twitter of the team and scroll down and try to find to see if they post their line chart that night. Cause yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's no, an it's... issue. And, and of course I can do that for like last week, but like come the end of the season, if I want to know, um, you know, who, you know, let's say, yeah, uh, there's a game I want to go back and look at who if this guy played in this game or what line they were playing at throughout the season. I mean, I could do that in short order with collegehockeystats.net. Like I could say, well, look, this guy was playing on fourth line this month, the third line, he moved from wing to center. I can't do that anymore. Yep, you're right. It, it's way ahead of its time, and the formatting is so nice and easy to to extract what you want from it quickly. Yeah. So someone else is currently hosting the, the site. Um, hopefully that continues and it doesn't <laughs> way permanently. I think. Well, if, if they, if they ever talk about it, you, you talk to us cause we will find a way to for host sure. it and pay for it. I don't, we'll pay the $20 a year to keep the domain yeah. and, <laughs> yeah, and put it yeah. on our site. I don't really care. <laughs> Absolutely. That'd be awesome make sure it stays it needs yeah. to stay it's great data it's unbelievable it's, it's weird you know that you feel like you're going backwards you know usually everything gets better as time goes on and now you feel like we're we're going backwards with stats and that's really too bad but it also well, i think we're, we're we're going from a, a hockey specific site made by a hockey fan who mm-hmm. built a stats site around hockey stats to an mm-hmm. ncaa platform that's meant for use with anything right as far as i understand that that site's used for all sports right so Mm -hmm. it's missing the little things that make hockey stats hockey stats that you don't see right you don't need a line chart for basketball or football right a roster is fine for the most part yeah and and a lot of credit goes to adam Walden of college hockey news and dan parker's Dan Parkhurst is who's hosting the the site right now, the College Hockey Stats on that. But Adam and Dan have really worked a lot with uh, Genius Sports with their hockey stats. They have for months been going back to them saying, this needs this, this needs this. And um, you almost wonder where it would be without those guys. Like they've really been major advocates for uh, getting things right and getting as much usable data and getting the fixes there were a lot of bugs in yeah. the system um browse any of the major hockey sites and you know there are bugs right none of their yeah. external data was pulling right for a while and yeah, it's that whole first weekend was a mess there yeah yeah i mean there's there's no and i'm sure i'm sure adam, adam had a good reason because he wants his his app to work right for all of us and us to be happy that we're checking out yeah. his app regularly. But it's also very important for hockey in general that we get what we want out of this and not just be yeah. left over. Yeah. So. Adam told me that, you know, he doesn't want to go back to the days where people are wondering if uh, Brett Hall has 31 or 32 goals, you know, (laughs) it's uh, what he wants accurate data. He's a stickler for accurate data. So I had a question for you. So, you know, Grand Forks isn't the largest media market in college hockey, especially when you've got, you know, you're dealing with uh, like the twin cities media market, the Boston media market, and you maintain yourself in a very high kind of stature 
within those those circles within college hockey. So I was wondering how you keep finding a way to stay so relevant on a large national stage being based out of one of the smaller, if you will, markets. Like we all know that you can find a North Dakota fan in any building, but when you come down to it, you know. Yeah, I, I think one of the big advantages is uh, North Dakota hockey is um, it's such a big deal in Grand Forks and this area. It's kind of like the NHL team for this area. And so we're able to invest a lot into our coverage. Um, some of these other, uh, you know, media outlets may not have a, a beat writer who is able to spend as much time as I am on college hockey or to uh, travel to all the road games and everything. Um, uh, you know, the last time I missed a road game was the last time I missed any game period was 2009. So it's been 12 years since I missed a game and I'm jealous. Doesn't, <laughs> hey, I, it, that just doesn't happen. You know, a lot of, you know, there, there've been cutbacks and media outlets have had to make and, you know, we've still invested because, you know, you have such a high readership of hockey here, you know, anytime we file a UND hockey story, we're going to get tremendous traffic on it. And it's uh, something that sells subscriptions here. And so that's one big advantage, you know, and I, I think uh, just, you know, having some curiosity about other teams and there, there, there are a lot of teams in college hockey that really don't get coverage. And if you work to do a little bit of coverage on those teams and you pay attention, um, you know, you can uh, get uh, access and info from those programs. They, they appreciate the coverage and they're just not getting it. So um, I, I enjoy covering, uh, I, I enjoy telling a lot of different stories and uh, even outside of Grand Forks. And I'm lucky enough to be in a place where um, people read those stories, even if they aren't um, UND related sometimes. So that's why I can, dive into these other programs and stuff sometimes well and then you look at like the the pod last year how many yeah. how many media guys were even there for that like yeah, covering right. covering the team like you probably got to and and spending a couple weeks and in, in omaha right yeah i was uh what there was maybe one other writer that was there that wasn't from omaha um you know another writer a couple writers from omaha that the world herald came to most of the Maverick games, but none of the others. Um, the the gateway writer, Jordan McAlpine, he was at every game. Um, and McHatton was at pretty much every game. So I, uh, yeah, we sat up there. It was, it, that, that's a good example though, of, you know, the Herald being able to send me down there and cover all the games and got to know a lot of the coaches really well. Cause I was, <laughs> one of the only people there and uh, you know, yeah, I, I know i got sent to work when it was going on down in omaha and and i i mentioned i asked matt wellens about the whole process and he's like yeah they don't want drop-ins i'm like okay i won't even ask because i can only go to a couple games while i'm there um yeah it was, and, it was yeah. pretty tight there i mean they you walked in uh you know there was a security guard right there and there a couple of them you know, you would check in, you had to do your wellness test on your app. 
Um, they just it's the sanitizing stations there. Uh, yeah, there were a bunch of you know it was there was nobody in there. Like parents weren't in there. Um, media they had you know maybe three of us there. Some games I was you know the only one there. Um, and you know they separated people in tiers. So the sports info directors were in a tier where they were testing uh, three times a week. And so they didn't even cross paths with us. So like I was in the same building as like North Dakota's sports info director and we were working together. I never saw him. It was, you know, uh, it was very, very strange, but uh, that was one of the most unique experiences I've, I've had. You know, I can, I can think of worse ways to be locked down, honestly. I know it was kind of great. Yeah, I'm going to be locked down and I'm going to just have to watch hockey over and over again. Shit. I know. I was like, man, I'm, 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 my hotel was like right across the street. So I would like walk across the street, watch like three awesome hockey games. And the hockey was great. Like, you know, you're kind of, I think these guys hadn't played in so long and they were so excited to play. And the, the action was fantastic. And, and they had been practicing for like months. So like oh. they're probably even sharper than they usually are at the beginning of the year because they had so much practice time leading up. But the hockey was awesome, and yeah, it was it was a fun way. It was a lot of work, but man, that was so much fun to just get you know, walk across the street, watch three great hockey games, go to bed, and do it the next day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you get that unique and as much as we all love the atmosphere with fans there, there is something unique about watching a game where you can hear everything too. And there's nobody there. You can hear exactly what the players are yelling, exactly what the coaches are yelling. You get that inside view that, you know, you don't get except at like a practice or an inner squad style game behind closed doors. So, yeah, yeah, it was definitely unique to watch any professional sports during that. But being there in person, hearing everything would be mm-hmm. even more interesting. And I think there, you know, we all, the atmosphere makes sports great, right? Like the, 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 the that's what, gets the adrenaline going for the players and that makes it so compelling to watch. But at that point, like, I think there was still like some doubt, like, is this season going to happen? Like, you know, what's, what's going to happen. And I think everyone was just so excited that there was actually hockey and that was actually happening. Um, that the, the whole, the fact that fans weren't there didn't even matter. It was like, they're playing like, this is, this is great. There's, there's some action going on. And so I, I, I think everyone was just so excited that it was going on. And, and yes, I, I specifically remember when North Dakota and Denver, they played two of the first four games. Um, you could hear everything. They were saying. <laughs> <laughs> there, were, and there were a lot of four letter words going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was definitely the interesting part about the early season hockey last year was, was how much you could hear that stuff. And the same thing with, uh, uh, you know, when football was being played without it, all the audibles and all the line stuff you could hear that you couldn't mm-hmm. most of the time now. it's It's been so much fun. Like that aspect of things has been great, getting to hear all that and see all of it. So while you were down there, Jasper Witherby and Jacob Bernard Docker decided to kneel during the anthem at the pod, right? Yep. No, yeah. First season. And that was that the only time they did that all year? Yep. Okay. So, so what was that? All, what was that whole experience like? I mean, obviously it wasn't quite the same as what it would be if 
those guys like did it next weekend or something, but they're both in the NHL now, right? Yeah. Uh, they both play in the NHL. I think Jacob's with uh, Belleville right now with the Senators. But okay. um, yeah, I, I mean, this kind of goes back to the summer uh, before um, when you're seeing uh, kind of uh, widespread protests in the United States, uh, you know, in support of racial and social justice. And, um, you know, I noticed Jasper Weatherby had been posting a lot of stuff on um, Instagram, uh, a lot of Black Lives Matter things. And I wanted to say, I, I thought someone had told me there were uh, activists in his family. And that kind of got me thinking, you know, maybe I'll text him and find out. So I sent him a message and I'm like, hey, like, I, you know, is, is that true that you had some sort of, you know, activists in your family history? And he and he's like, yeah, my my grandfather um, was a civil rights ro- lawyer. He worked with Martin Luther King Jr. in a couple cases. My grandma was a civil rights lawyer. She marched in Selma, was at. You know, and, you know, my, you know, his brother, he said is uh, adopted. He's a, uh, uh, from Costa Rica. His brother's black. And he said just um, he, this whole long response to my text. I'm like, uh, can I write about that? And he was like, <laughs> absolutely. So I was like, I, I was not expecting this, all this, like, you know, details of his family history that, were really incredible and so I, I talked to him and his mom and kind of wrote a story about it and um obviously he has just a deep family history that you know goes through uh you know several generations um beginning with the you know his grandfather was uh, actually born in england and uh fled the nazis um, he was jewish and uh ended up getting into the united states and you know, I think he carried some of that with him, family members said, throughout his life. And so when he saw injustice, he felt a responsibility to speak up. And and I think Jasper had some of that in him, too, from both his grandparents and his mom, too. You know, she protested apartheid, um, convinced her school to divest from uh, any business that had South African ties during apartheid. And so, like, the, you know, this has been in his family history. And then, um, so I wasn't really surprised. Uh, him and Jacob are very close. Uh, they um, they talk about these issues uh, at their apartment, have watched documentaries. And um, <clears throat> I think it was the day before their first game. So it was the very first day of the pod. Uh, Jasper and Jacob uh, called me to tell me what they were going to do. Um, they wanted a story out there before they did it because they didn't want people co-opting their message before they had a chance to speak on why they did it. Um, you know, you know, a lot of people will, um, say it was about the military or things like that. And he wanted to make it clear why they were doing it. Um, and I thought that was uh, smart on their part to, to get that out there. And so, yeah, I posted the story the day before and um, they went through with it the next day. That's, that's pretty cool. I, um, so I don't know how much you pay attention to this side of things, but what what was the reaction in Sioux Nation or whatever you want to call it now? I guess it's not that anymore, but <laughs> at the North Dakota hockey fan base. I'm sure it's very, very mixed. 
Um, honestly, when I uh, posted the story, you know, social media was, I was getting so many reactions that it's really hard to even keep up because, you know, it just is moving too fast to even sit there and look at them. Um, you know, there were some people that were, uh, you know, very pleased to see them stand up for racial justice and understood where they were coming from and, you know, were relieved that they they had men's college hockey players speaking up about this issue because I think they were, you know, really among the first to, um, they were the first D1 men's players to, to protest during the anthem as uh, so women's players had done it before them. But, and, and then you had some people that were pretty upset about it too. Um, I, I certainly got some emails um, of people uh, on both sides of the issue. And, um, you know, I, I like, again, I, I was doing so much work that I didn't go through all the reacts, but I certainly saw people, on both sides of it. Yeah, what I thought was so fascinating about that story was number one that it was happening in in hockey, which is you know a predominantly white sport, where a lot of the 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 messaging and kind of the understanding of the black experience isn't as you know amplified or heard. There aren't we don't have as many black players in our game, so just that aspect of on number one, and the other fact that it was in college at a university that's had its its own kind of reckoning with with race in its own way and quite a bit in the past decade. So I thought it was a really interesting story to cover and I'm, I'm really happy you're able to get that out there. Well, and, and I think that that was something that uh, they talked about, you know, it's in a, a, a deeply red state where, and it's in a state where there isn't a ton of diversity and I, I think that was a, a message that they hope to, um, you know, have people question, you know, why are people from our community doing this? Maybe I need to look in and do some research on uh, these issues because um, maybe some people just don't understand it, like you said, in, in these areas. And I think that certainly plays a part in it. You certainly had a lot of people who, as you would expect, um, you know, tried to make it about the military or make it about something else, which they explicitly pointed out it wasn't. But, you know, that's part of American history too, right? Um, every, uh, I, I'm unaware of uh, any, um, you know, racial justice or civil rights protest in American history that had a positive approval rating. Uh, at the time it was conducted, um, even the March on Washington, the Freedom Rides, things that we think romantically of today, they had a negative approval rating. And, it, you know, uh, it was said it, uh, the protest was not the right way to do it. So the fact that that was part of the discussion um, among people did not surprise me, because if you know American history, that's, you know, that's part of it. There, yep. <laughs> There's never a right way. Yeah. No, nobody likes anything that they that makes them uncomfortable or makes personally them, like yeah. yeah it makes them uncomfortable being put in their face especially when it comes to sports because they all look at that as an escape and and like you said the whole north dakota thing 
like it, I, it's very intriguing to me that 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 happened at North Dakota, especially when you just went through the whole thing with Mitchell Miller and everything with his draft pick and what came out after he got drafted and 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 having him part of the program for for a moment. He never played right, but he was he came in for his freshman year and then everything kind of hit the fan. Is that how that went? Yeah, he was here on campus, um, but yeah, it was at least a month before the pod that he was gone um, for some time there. And I, and I asked uh, ja- Jasper and Jacob about that, and you know, I, I think they said um, part of what they're doing is that they want to uh, try to help educate people who are uneducated and, you know, um, you know, they want, you know, people who, uh, have, uh, not sure what the right wording is, but, uh, they, you know, what, what they exactly told me, but, um, you know, they want to help, uh, create allies in this, in this fight. So I think when a lot of people turn to sports in America, and this is the argument you'll hear from a lot of people that don't like protesting is that. They, they want sports to be kind of like throwing on an episode of SpongeBob where they get to, you know, turn off their brain for a minute. Nothing offensive is going to happen. That's their release for the day. But the fact of the matter is sports pretty much since inception has been inherently political. Like going back through the history of sports, like it was basically developed as a, you know, nonviolent or less violent way to settle disputes. And then going through like history, like to come a little bit more recent, you can't tell me like the 38 Berlin Olympics weren't about the politics of Nazi Germany. So like it's always been intertwined in some way. Well, yeah. And, and I think a couple yeah, days know, ago it was like the, was it like the 40th anniversary or 35th anniversary of uh, the fists in Mexico city it was just yeah. last week, I think. And then, you know, the people that say they don't like sports and politics are the same people that will turn around and tell you that their favorite moment of the Cold War was when the U.S. beat the Soviets in the 1980 Olympics. You know, like, (laughs) you can't tell me that game wasn't politically charged either. You know? (laughs) Totally. Yep. Totally. I think think people don't like um, the political implications when they potentially disagree with the political message being sent. Uh, Totally. Or uncomfortable because... There are certainly a lot of politics in sports that people don't think twice about. Um, you know, uh, honestly, one of the things um, uh, I, I heard one of the biggest complaints was um, the, you know, the sanctity of the national anthem. You know, you just don't do that during the national anthem. Well, you know, I've I've covered the team for 17 years, and the the fans for a lot of the years screamed. Right. Name I, over brave. I don't. I don't how many understand that at I get all. saying yeah. that's not okay. The amp. N- nobody. Mm-hmm. Nobody said the word. Because yeah, they like that, that part, and it still bugs that, me. I don't do that, that for loons or anything. Is yep. is mind-boggling to me. The it, sanctity it, of the anthem. This. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. And and yeah, and that's where I I have a, a, a tough time believing that it's about the sanctity of the anthem when no one emailed me for seventeen years about that. Um, it's about opposing the viewpoint. It's not it's, about the yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. It's about the viewpoint making you uncomfortable and you not wanting to deal with how that makes you feel. And that that's that's the conclusion I could come to because, like I said, if you were really worried about the anthem and that is your thing, 
and that may be that may be some that may be for real. You know, some people may have a big problem with that, um, but they they should have a problem with people yelling something over it. Then, right? Yeah, yeah. it right. shouldn't be just and, because your issue suddenly doesn't fit. Exactly. That's exactly. Yeah. And you'll you'll even get that same chant over the top of an anthem in places that a Sioux game isn't even happening at. A North Dakota game isn't happening at sometimes. Well, I mean, I get... hear it in half the buildings I go to. Like I yeah. go into Duluth, you'll hear you'll hear Bulldogs? it. Oh yeah, you'll hear it. You know, it's mm-hmm. it, it, every it's... build. All these buildings I go to. Um, I've I've heard I've heard Sue yelled at non UND games. I mean, oh, yeah. you have a couple of Sue fans in the crowd, then <laughs> they feel like they still need to let themselves be known. Oh no, I, I'm saying I hear it from other fan bases too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, Gophers do it. Oh yeah. They, it happens yeah, at no. Minnesota United games. I've yeah. heard of Ferris. Yeah. yeah. It's it's so it's, it's, it's very very common that you shout something over Brave, whatever yeah. your team name is. That's not yeah. unusual at all. <laughs> It's a it's a common thing, and and the action in and of itself of kneeling to me is is always been very interesting because the history of it is you know with Kaepernick you know being the center point of the whole thing he originally would sit on the bench for the anthem mm-hmm. and then had a conversation with a veteran about how he can better voice um you know that our country can improve without being blatantly disrespectful to the flag and that's how they settled upon the idea of kneeling because if you think about it there's really not many contexts in which kneeling isn't respectful like you kneel at a grave you kneel to pray like it's it's a respectful thing to kind and it's and it's the statement in and of itself to me has always been that i'm doing this because i like where i am but there's room for improvement yeah but and it comes back to there's you know Every civil rights protest in American history, um, those protesters have been told it's the wrong way. And, you know, yep. you even look, like, I, like you know, everyone romantically remembers Martin Luther King and said, well, this isn't, well, King was highly unpopular. I mean, he was so unpopular, someone felt it was appropriate to shoot him. I mean, there are a lot of people today yeah. that like to speak his messages that would have absolutely hated him while he was alive. hundred percent. Hundred percent. He would. Yeah, my my favorite part of the whole NFL kneeling piece is that the players actually being out there for the anthem is like not even a twenty year old practice either. They were not out there yeah. for the anthem prior to I think two thousand eight or two thousand nine, somewhere in there. They weren't even on the field at all, so there was no respect for the anthem. This, you know, this mythical respect for the anthem that they have to stand up and, and be out there wasn't even there it's not i'm, ass- been I'm there assuming that all years. started when the military started funding flyovers the anthem and, and the flyover flag. And the, yeah, yeah yeah of course i i was just gonna say it's probably the most political we've ever gotten on the podcast yep. and we've definitely taken quite the turn here so i kind of want to well i mean you're us back to college hockey just for a moment i think i think it's yeah. been an incredible conversation but we've been going for a minute here so <laughs> no that's fine i think I'll, that's good i'll take us back and tim's already highlighting the question that i want to ask all right, go ahead, Matt. So to move us back in the direction of what we're talking about, I don't know if, if you guys feel the same way, but I kind of feel like we're we're in the presence of a, a giant in reporting of our sports right Are now. Are you trying so to call him the Wojnarowski of college hockey? I don't know who say? that is, but if that's yeah, the way you want to go, then absolutely. But <laughs> I, Brad but, is one of the few people I follow outside of the WCHA for hockey stuff because it is actually interesting and not just blowing his own team the entire time. <laughs> well, 
yeah but anyway the one of the one of the things that's always kind of blown me away is that like especially the nchc and a lot of times out west you tend to be the if not the first one of the first people to to like break some you know major news regardless if it's about und or not and i was just wondering how, do, how does that even happen because <laughs> sometimes it's stuff outside of grant fork so i was wondering if you know without giving away too many of your sources or too much of your process because that's you know who you are and how you cut your paychecks you know like what's a generalized process of how you go about getting that sort of information and then putting it out into the public yeah i mean it's uh, just knowing a lot of people that are around the sport and um some of them i've known and dealt with and worked with for over 10 years and um you know sometimes i'll you know get a piece of news um of course i you always have when you're breaking news you always want to like triple check it like i'm there have been like scoops that i have been pretty sure on but I wasn't like 110% sure. So I sat there and I ended up losing it. Um, (laughs) One of them was Arizona state was going to go D one hockey for like two days. And there was just like some things that I was like, okay, well this person would know a hundred percent, but like, why am I not hearing it from this person? I don't know. And then all of a sudden it broke. I'm like, of course I should. I, I knew that person was right. That person of course was right. Um, but you know, you, you always have that fear of being wrong at some oh, point yeah. because if you're ever wrong, no one ever forgets it. And, and the, the other thing I'd say that I, I found kind of interesting, I think too, is the more you end up getting scoops, then I think more people start coming to you because I think they're like, and then the other thing is that when people do leak you info i think they're comfortable because they don't think it'll come back to them they're like well this guy breaks news on a bunch of things no one's gonna know it was me that told them so i'm gonna tell them to <laughs> sure. get protected yep. um, so no one's gonna add up that this was me that told them so i think that helps too that everyone knows i a that it might not come back to him and b i'm i'm certainly not going to sell them out and be like oh yeah it was this guy who told me this yeah there there have been a couple like you know it, it rarely happens but there are a couple times when you know someone who the person involved in the news told me what was going on and um then you can feel really comfortable about it <laughs> <laughs> So that was uh, it, the the one other one that when uh, six schools broke away from the WCHA to form the NCHC. Um, that one I remember. I wrote a story, a preliminary story, saying this: these schools are talking about this. That one I spent two weeks working on because. I wasn't, I was trying to figure out, I knew a bunch of schools did not like Bruce McLeod as the commissioner of the WCHA. Yeah. And I was wondering, are these schools using me? And are they trying to push the story that they might form another league? To get McLeod pushed out. Correct. 
Yeah. And I'm like, or is there actually some traction to this? And I spent two weeks trying to find out, are they feeding me this because they want me to write this story or are, um, or is this real? And after two weeks, I concluded, oh yeah, this is real and it's probably going to happen. And it's imagine, a, imagine that alternate timeline. <laughs> so, the fact that we don't even have a WTHA anymore is mind boggling yeah. to me, but it's so the I, natural progression. But yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I went, so I wrote that story. I, it came out, I think, on like the 4th of July. Um, and, and by that time, I was actually like quite certain that this was going to happen. You know, perfect hotbed month for college hockey news. I know, isn't it? And then, of course, <laughs> on the fourth of July summer. weekend. Um, and then, like a few days later, um, I got a call really early in the morning that was like, "This is it's a done deal. Um, it's done. They're going to have a press conference for it." Okay, so then I went and f- talked to a couple more sources, and I got it from I think three really 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 good sources that it was indeed a done deal and so then i went with that one but that was that was probably the biggest news that i've i've ever uh broke on college hockey well i've been glad that hockey has been relatively insulated from that until penn state decided to show up and i'm all for programs getting added right but that really destroyed some of the uniqueness of college hockey to me you know the the Big Ten schools were spread across two leagues where they were all visiting smaller schools in the middle of nowhere, you know, on a regular basis. Wisconsin and Minnesota came to Houghton as I was a little kid, right? Like, that was always a huge deal. Minnesota would show up with a truck so they could broadcast, like, the only games that ever got broadcast at Tech for the year because they have the following for it. So you have these massive universities that are actually going into small towns. Michigan's going to Lake State. I mean, I'm sure, you know, Mel's glad he doesn't have to travel up and go in Taffy Abel anymore. And he can, he can stay in bigger barns and bigger places. Don't have to experience but, the coolest goal horn in the NCAA. The, the loudest one? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I'd say the coolest. It's a boat horn. That's cool oh, as hell. <laughs> yeah, it's a Laker horn. It's legit. Every time every time I go to Taffy, I hope Lake State scores one goal on us, and that's it. Because I like to see the goal <laughs> horn shake the building. <laughs> but that was one of the fun, unique things about college hockey that, I don't want to say we're losing it because it's still there to some extent with the non-conference games. I mean, we just played in, in, in down in Madison and Madison is supposed to come back up. Notre Dame just played at tech for the first time since the early eighties. Right. So th- there is some of it, but there's just some, I don't know, romanticism about having the small schools and the little schools be together with those historic rivalries that have been there for years and years and years that we lost when the realignment happened. So it, it's, it's an event that's a long time in the past at this point, but it still stings a little bit that we lost that specialness that college hockey had compared to the other major sports. Yeah, I, you know, the, the one thing uh, I think a lot of the old WCHA fans miss is that old Final Five. That was that was something else that weekend. So um, that was always... Never be duplicated, ever. No, like it can't. it just can't be. Like, you could... Like I, I think the yep. pro soft and the NCHC has turned into a really good event, but it can't be what the final five was. It just is impossible. Like nope. that, um, that was such a, a unique and unbelievable event that it, it almost made 
the NCAA tournament regionals the next week and the letdown. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> From the 19, well, definitely 000. the regionals. I mean, even the Frozen yeah. Four after that at the X just doesn't quite feel the same sometimes. Yeah. Or it's Frozen basically... Four is great, but yeah. It's, it's kind of us trying to show everybody what the Final Five is like when they come for the Frozen Four, right? That, that's kind of how it goes. And then when St. Patrick's Day falls in there some years, oh, man, those are so bad. Uh. <laughs> I remember going with my ex-wife to one of those and like like getting up to go to like the early game the day out, like Saturday morning and showing up down on West 7th. And, and we joked that it felt like we were in like Sarajevo in a war zone because <laughs> there's just like cop cars with crap all over them and people passed out everywhere like I don't know. The final five on St. Patrick's Day weekend was always crazy. I just remember walking to my hotel to the arena, making sure you're looking down so you don't step and vomit. Like, (laughs) I'm not going to, because I'm going to be at the arena the next eight hours. I don't want to have vomit on my shoes. So, um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a big loss that, I mean, I've got, I've got memories of going to it as a little kid. I mean, when Tech actually got to go on, on the very rare occasion, we made it through the first round of the WCHA playoffs when I was little. You know, we, we'd go and wherever it was, and those events are always fantastic. And the, the band was always there, though. Yeah, the band was always there no matter what, right? Yeah, yep. everyone loved that. The yeah. band, <laughs> I was there. Um Except for the year that we were playing, they were playing music going up an escalator while the national anthem was happening. I remember hearing about that a lot. They didn't know it was happening. Oh. And they got yelled at. I don't recall that one. I remember that specifically. So so one other thing I wanted to ask you about, the transfer portal. We, I, I had a good joke in our Discord chat or our Slack chat over the weekend about seeing Ashton Calder score the first goal with assists from Connor Ford and Chris Jandrick over the weekend while Driscoll was in net. Um, so what's it like uh, dressing the WCHA All-Stars this year? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what uh, I've been calling it. Um, it's certainly been interesting having so many new players and new faces here as well as other teams. But, um, you know, they've they've made a big impact already. Um, you know, Calder's scored four goals in four games. Um, Connor Ford has been their top line center and Chris Jandrick's been one of the biggest surprises. And yeah, Zach Driscoll obviously has been around for a long time now. So um, it certainly is interesting having the WCHA all-star team, so to speak. I mean, obviously Mankato had had a lot of the all-star team in that league and none of those guys. Yeah, that's true. Um, there, there were a lot of really good players in the uh, WCHA for a long time that have come to Grand Forks this year. And uh, I think the next three years, it's, the transfer portal is going to be a factor from here going forward. Um, just the, the one-time transfer rule, the fact that anyone can transfer without sitting out, it's going to be a factor. But the next three years, when you have the seniors being able to get that, that free COVID year, that's what's really well and i i do think it's good i mean like i don't think it's good completely and it's but what i'm really struggling with understanding is how much of what's going on is because of the nca 
in my opinion, making the wrong decision of giving the fifth year. That that's the majority of it. Like I would. So here's the two things I would say. Um, having looked at every name in the portal for like three months. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we won't talk about how you can do that. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, number one. It's Beeberry past- 51. Is that what it is? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the vast majority <laughs> of players in the portal are guys that are not playing. Um, yeah. Like there are a lot of guys who are at Long Island and played one game last year. They're the vast majority of kids had like no points last year. They're, the exceptions are guys like Carson Bantle. Yeah, but he didn't play correct. last year either. Well, he got <laughs> yeah, injured, just, but but he played. I mean, I, yeah, the, but still, the, the the vast majority are not Connor Fords. The vast right. majority of guys going in there are guys who just are not playing, and they probably want to play somewhere, and they're probably going to drop down to D three. Um, yeah, like uh, who's the one that was supposed to go to St. Thomas that didn't end up going there? That was TJ Polglaze, and Andrew Ballant took that from Tech a while ago. He went down to Adrian and ended up actually working his way into the ECHL. So yeah, that's a that's a path that gets taken occasionally. Yeah, no, it happens. I mean, a lot of a lot of Tech players when we've had coaching changes have left the program and gone to St. Norbert's or, or Stevens yeah. point or superior or wherever to get playing time and, yeah. and get a and, chance and to play. The, the other big factor, the, the fifth year, and it's not just guys who are saying, you know what, I'm going to look, I'm going to try, you know, like the Connor Ford is the exception. He's the guy who played his four years and said, you know, I'm going to try to go to somewhere else, have a new experience, see if that can lead me to an NHL contract. That That's the exception. A lot of these guys are like the, the Denver guys. Denver had some really good players, but they also have this really good freshman class. And what Denver had to decide to do, they had to say, hey, look, we could bring all these guys back for one year, but then we're going to lose all these recruits who are supposed to come in because they're going to go somewhere else. They want to come in and these recruits are going to come in and be really good for four years or three. Um, and these seniors are going to be around for one more year. So Denver had to say to their seniors, look, like we already promised these spots to these guys. It'd be great to have you back. You're really good players, but we have to move on. And so now all these guys go in the portal. Well, and didn't think- some of that happen at Bowling Green too? It's possible, yeah. Because they had a lot of seniors that they did that they I, they I, couldn't I bring know, them all back. I'm not sure they wouldn't have wanted situation. Connor Ford back himself, but yeah. I don't know their situation, so um, I can't really speak on that. But the, I think the majority of the seniors in the portal were guys that could not come back. Their coaches said, "Hey, look, we you know we can't have all these guys back." Some of these schools brought back fifth year seniors, but maybe they had a class of seven seniors. They're not going to have all seven of them back. You know, financially, that doesn't work. Um, the other thing that's going to happen the, the, the next three years is for one year only, this year, teams are allowed to go above 18 scholarships. It's just this year? Just this year. Okay. St. Cloud is over 18. Duluth is over 18. They brought back these five seniors. They're over 18. Now you really get crunched next year. Because nobody can go over 18. So now all of a sudden, 
you know, you really got to decide which seniors you're going to bring back and which you aren't. So I think a lot of the, the seniors who don't get to come back, they all still, hey, I want to play another year of college hockey. They all go into the portal. So a lot of these guys are guys that just are, you know, looking to play another year and they couldn't go back to their school. So I think the fifth year, when, <laughs> when the cycle ends in three years, you're going to see a major drop in people that enter the portal. However, the portal will still be more active than it was um, before, you know, two or three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I do think it'll fall back to being the angry with the coach or playing time situations, like what we had with uh, what we had here with, um, I'm drawing a blank on her name right now. We all know who I'm talking about, the right at Tech that went to Bowling Green. Uh, Gavin Gould. Yes, younger Gould, you know. Basically, him and Joe didn't get along, it seems. So, time to move on. So, the last question we got, we kind of answered your other or the other Patreon question, but our Patreon, Andrew Bordeaux, wants to know, where do you feel the new CCHA fits in in the conference rankings for college hockey? I guess that would depend on the season. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Conferences ebb and flow. the NCHC has been pretty dominant the last six years or so. Um, you know, I think people would generally look at the NCHC Big Ten and Hockey East as the top three. If, if you look at non-conference records this year, uh, this is a year the CCHA is going to be better than normal. Um, I think the CCHA, if you get rid of St. Thomas uh, this year right now might have a better out of conference record than hockey East at the moment. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think the CCHA will get multiple teams in the tournament this year. Um, I, I, I like a lot of the teams in the league. I mean, it, it ebbs and flows though, right? Like it, I could say like, I, I don't want to say because some years a, a conference is not good. Like hockey East is struggling this year o- outside of, Atlantic hockey, they're like three and 13. It's, it's ugly, but that's not to say in two years, hockey East won't be the most dominant conference in the league in in the country. Yeah. Um, well, and the other problem is, is we don't get enough games between the Western three conferences and the Eastern ones yeah. to, one to really get having, a good comparison. That's one and of my favorite things about the Clarkson series we're doing, right? I love yeah. that. That's happening on a regular yeah. basis. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm, one of the I'm most not, frustrating things about it is like, the in like personally i feel like the ccha plays the nchc and the big 10 too much and it's, they should be playing more eastern based. teams to get yeah. that comparison and and yep. and not and just because the travel money logistic teams. issue i mean i but, get why it happens but no. yep. but that's but, why know, I, like, like rob said i love the fact that tech and northern or tech and late state are trying to play ecac every year and get those games and like one of the things that I've learned through the years is in pairwise speak, getting to play two teams in a weekend and only playing them once. If you can win that weekend, that helps you so much in pairwise because mm-hmm. it gives you the head to head and it opens up the possibility to flip a pairwise by common opponents. Because yep. if you beat, if, if those are the only two times that tech and Northern play, Clarkson and St. Lawrence and St. and both those teams are really good. We can flip that comparison just by head to head 
and common opponents. Exactly. And that's a huge deal when you can pull that off. It's why I love being a part of tournaments and why I love trying to find these weekends where we play two different teams. Um, it's like a, such a huge deal to try and do that. Anything else you guys want to talk to Brad about? I can let him go and then we can talk for like five minutes because we've talked long enough for me. If, we, if we're all square, Brad, I'd just really like to thank you for your time. I know you're a really busy guy and this is getting to be kind of late at night and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. It's been a really great conversation. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm I'm a I'm a night owl, so I'm <laughs> I'm usually I, I work until about three in the morning or so. Usually, it's uh, oh, fantastic. Yeah. So we're just ca- catching a peak work hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, from from about midnight to three, nobody's up. There's nothing on TV. There's nobody texting or calling. So like, it's like the best time. I get more done at that time because during the day, there's uh, you know always interruptions like. Like me asking you who's in the portal for tech? No, that's that's totally fine. It's more like more like uh, work asking me if I've done my safety training yet. And oh yeah, fantastic! Uh, so I'm going through my work orientation right now. So I don't. Yeah, that's that's fun stuff. I, I as a fellow night owl, I feel you. Those are my productive yeah. hours as well. Yeah, I get it too. It's it's been t- it's been tough for me to adjust to a functioning people business hours, but <laughs> anyway, on that note, Brad, I think everybody knows you on Twitter. Most of our, uh, I think there's a pretty significant part of our viewership that follows you as well. But is there anything else you'd like to plug before we let you go? I think that's it. I appreciate uh, you guys having me on, and appreciate your guys' coverage of uh, CCHA, and um, it's uh, always great to have uh, other sources of uh, news and college hockey talk because we don't have enough of it. Agreed. Yeah, thanks. Sure. If you guys are, are you how how plugged in are you with the rink live? Is that a Mick Hatton thing mostly, or yeah, I'm uh, so that's a forum communications of, of forum newspaper venture. Okay. And forum newspapers owns my paper, so you know we work for the same company essentially. Okay. Um, stories go to the Herald. But they're also um, also simultaneously published on the Rink Live, okay. so you can see my content either way. Cool. Yeah. So when you if you guys ever need some more CCHA on that, you feel free to let us know, and I'm sure one of us can uh, hop on and chat with you guys if you need it. So yeah, absolutely. Let us know. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Brad. We should get our other stuff done and then stop, so I don't have two hours to edit tomorrow. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks, Brad. Thanks again, Brad. Yep, thank yep. you very much. All right. Now that Brad's taken off, let's. Um... I was in the UP this weekend and did not watch. How about that? You were in the UP this weekend? I was and... in the UP and did not watch hockey. How about that? Where were you? Uh, So Chaz has never been to the UP. So I brought her like up to a uh, fresh fresh coast film fest in marquette because she's a film student so i figured it was a really nice way to like get her her first real pasties see the scenery have a nice thing that's like involved with can you really interests. get a real pasty if you're not in the kiwana honestly I, this is sacrilege but my favorite place i've ever had passes is in st ignis is it okay i'm a Lido's kind of guy i'm exactly the same way i don't know if you're also a Lido's guy but that's that's my that's my favorite pasty Lido's. in the up and i've you had mean, i've had you mean Leto's? Well, yeah, yeah, I didn't okay. know the correct <laughs> pronunciation, but yeah, whatever. Sure. 
but at any rate, my that's... mom worked with Aletto at the hospital for a long time. So that's why I know oh. how to say it. There you go. And like, you know, we were all tech kids. Like I survived on Royce for a while. I've had plenty of them. I know what they taste like. And I honest to God think they're a mediocre pasty. <laughs> I think there's Royce. I think Royce are mediocre. I am a, if I'm getting I, a pasty in town, I'll look at the weird hours that Amy J's has and really hope that they're oh, You got to go for the Supret. The Supret oh, that's, that's going one. all that's the way. That's, that's The Supret has the best passies. I'm right. sure I've heard great things about Supret, but also if I'm just like getting done with a test and I just want a pasty for dinner, I don't know if I'm going to go like the hour out of my way to get a pasty. That's but... fair. I I like Roy's. I'm sure as hell not paying to have them shipped to me though. No, Roy's, these costs. We've talked about this. Crazy. We've talked this yeah, about this before, but the 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 one at Roy's that is really money is the broccoli chicken one. Yeah, You've said that. Are, I still have not had that delicious. one. You know, I have I'm a gonna, couple yeah, in the freezer, but I haven't I can had them yet. I definitely be a pasty purist, and like I want just legit what pasties right. are. What you're getting yeah. there is a hot pocket wrapped in a pasty crust. Yeah, and it's but, great. I mean, but that's so weird. Good. And like my my favorite is the turkey dinner one. Also delicious. So the Thanksgiving dinner. All right, let's let's do your let's do your. Uh, yeah, let's fantasy challenge and hit the road here. Yeah, fantasy All right, challenge. fantasy challenge, fantasy challenge. All right, so this week. I'm going to try and type right from the beginning here. All right. This is a good one. All right. Um, it's very, very topical this week because we have already talked about this a lot. This week's theme. Well, before we get to this theme, let's, let's talk about ne- last week because it was interesting. We had goalies last week. Um, <laughs> yeah, how'd that end up? Yeah. Uh, Matt's goalie got kicked out of the game because he speared someone. <laughs> I am so disappointed I wasn't there to pass for the past two weeks. If I could have been a homer and picked Bretzman like you guys knew that I would have, I would be kicking all of your asses. <laughs> but I tried to I tried to steer. I know you tried it, and he didn't listen. I know you tried you tried to steer him towards Matt's going to be a homer, and I know that's what I do. That's my role here. But, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I, I, Samoza would have been my second pick if Bretzman wasn't there. But <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, so. Um, Matt, you had a rough week uh, with a, a total of negative three points. <laughs> so now I owe the ghost points. Okay. All yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yet again, uh, once again, Tim won the week with seven points. Should have been um, should have been who, way who, more, but he didn't, did get a, he didn't get a shutout either. He week. had Connor, Connor Murphy. Connor Murphy from Union. Who gave up one goal each night. Yep. On lots of shots. I think CC had like thirty some shots both nights, something like that. Yeah, so he did, he did good. The ghost had um, Galida from Notre Dame, who didn't play didn't against play. Tech, yeah. but he did play against Northern and got a win and the save percentage bonus for four points. I had some guy from Mercyhurst who sucked. Um, <laughs> I only got one point for a tie. Beats negative three. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and hey, um, if you'd have been here. And you no, know, I'll try to have family emergencies less often. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> I'm not judging and, why you weren't here, but you weren't here. Um, Rob with um, Rennick uh, started off good with four points the first night, but um, got a negative one on night two after that bad missed call. <laughs> uh, the missed call uh, screwed you over there, Rob. 
So you ended up with three on the weekend. <laughs> the overall standings. What uh, did the Tim, ghost do? I forgot. I didn't hear you say that. Ghost had four. Okay. Overall standings. Tim has 20. Rob and the ghost are tied for second <laughs> with nine. <laughs> oh, jeez. I have that big of a gap. I have two. And Matt has negative one on the season. <laughs> Don't call it a comeback. Matt, now that so I can pick my own guys, a, you're not making it a final Jeopardy. I've made, I've, I've made, I've made an pick so far. So we'll see how this goes. Now, All that right, I can, well, hopefully it goes in, better this week. Dustin, what's our, what's this week? Uh, Rob called it transfer portal madness. Um, this week, uh, this is this is inspired by you, Tim, since you. I, I, Saw your your post that you mentioned about the the goal, the transfer portal goal from uh, North Dakota. So we're going to do all transfer portal players, five forwards, all of which are transfers. All five players are scheduled to play two games this weekend. No goalies. No goalies. No no goalies. All forwards. Um, All of these are players that um, have a connection to current CCHA schools in some way or another. And you'll see that what I mean by that, by the last one on the list. First, we have Ashton Calder from North Dakota. We've already talked about him today, formerly of Lake State. Calder has four goals and two assists in four games this season, leading the Fighting Hawks. This weekend, sixth-ranked North Dakota will be playing two games at seventh-ranked Quinnipiac. Second. Also from North Dakota, Connor Ford. Already talked about him, too. Formerly of Bowling Green. Ford has no goals and four assists in four games so far this season. Uh, I just want to mention, yeah, he's got no goals so far this season, but he scored a ton last year. He can score goals. This isn't uh, – it's not a trap, I guess is what I'm trying to say. He also has assists he, already this year, too, right? He's got four assists, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, he's like, putting up like Brad – like Brad said, he's centering North Dakota's top line right now. Yep. Third is a familiar face. Griffin Lofren from Michigan State. Well, I know who the ghost is getting. I don't even wish him on the ghost. <laughs> Formerly of NMU. Lofren has taken his goonery south where he's scored two goals, <laughs> two assists so far this season in four games. So he's putting up points. Um, this weekend, Michigan State will be traveling east to, to, to play two games at UMass Lowell. Fourth from Boston College is Brandon Cruz, formerly of Bowling Green. Cruz has scored just one goal so far this season, but he did lead Bowling Green in points last year and had something like 11 goals and 23 assists. Um, he's been in, in, seen the ice in all four of BC's games so far this year. And this weekend, BC plays host to Colorado College on Friday night and Denver on Saturday night. Lastly, fifth is the only player that didn't defect from a CCHA team. Well, actually, he did, but just not this time. Um, Jack Becker from Arizona State, (laughs) formerly of Michigan and former Michigan Tech recruit. I'm not sure how much he has scored this year because Arizona State still has last year's scores posted on their website. But according to the USCHO stats, and who knows if they're right, uh, Becker has two goals and two assists in six games. 
And this weekend, Arizona State plays two games at Colgate. So, in summary, your choices are Ashton Calder from North Dakota, Connor Ford from North Dakota, Griffin Lofren from Michigan State, Brandon Cruz from Boston College, and Jack Becker from Arizona State. The order for picks this week is Rob, Dustin, Matt, and Tim. Uh, Becker's 2-2 two, two with four points, two goals to assist. Okay, so I was right College, there. College Hockey News has their stats up. Okay, and I, I ended up going to USCHO, and the website was loading so slow. And I yeah. actually I actually found an error on USCHO when I was looking up the goalies from last week. They said that um, Union's goalie had a, had a shutout, and then I went and looked, and he actually didn't have a shutout. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. I just noticed this, and it's unrelated, but he's listed as Jack Becker forward GR for grad year. I've never seen that. They've always been listed as seniors. I've seen um, I've seen some of them as graduates. Yeah. Like they're, they're listed as graduates mm-hmm. now, which is interesting. I've seen I've um, seen other schools that have done that. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Calder. All right, Rob gets Calder. That leaves it to me. Oh, I have it between two. I'm going to go with Jack Becker. How is Colgate this year? I honestly don't know. I don't know either. Now it's on me, right? Yep. Yep. I'm actually left with the two guys that I was thinking about, and I'm I'm, I'm caught between my head and my heart because – Colgate's 4-1, and by the way. Well. Not your problem because he's gone. Yeah. So my heart is telling me Brandon Cruz – or my – my struggle is that as a Lions fan, I end up being a really good fantasy GM because I draft all these players that I really hate playing against, and then my team ends up being really good. And that's exactly the opportunity I'm being presented with with Lofgren. And that's that's a tough spot for me to be in. Mm. Just pick already. We're at two fucking hours. I know, but solely, solely based <laughs> on opponent, I'm going to pick Brandon Cruz. And it was with some serious deliberation. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Him. And I've got Connor Ford or Griffin Lofgren. Yep. Oh, Jesus Christ, why? why? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take that little man. That poor little man. That's, I mean, I was considering taking him with the second pick. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's a bad choice. It's tough because he's not going to be a bad choice. We all just don't like him so much. And I feel like this decision is going to bite me in the butt because the, the my, my Lions fan fantasy football GM that does so well is screaming at me right now. <laughs> I honestly don't think any of them were bad choices. I mean, well, yeah. I don't you, you try to make them at least competitive choices, which is nice. I, I try to, yeah. I, yeah. Don't, I try to make it so there isn't an obvious one better than others. Or, yeah. You know. Even exactly. last week, last week, every, we all, th- everybody thought that I had Rennick in there and Rennick was going to be the best and he didn't score the highest. No, he did not do it that well. One minute remaining in the podcast. Can we, can we please wrap up? My, my ass can't do this chair anymore. All right. <laughs> all right. I still so, have an hour of work, so. I'm, I'm sitting on, uh, I'm sitting on a delightfully comfortable Herman Miller. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. I've got a. And a dog. I've got like three no, inches over of there now. She's memory right. foam cushion on top of my chair. I love you guys. Let's cut the Midwest goodbye. We got to wrap up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two right. hours. We should also talk about something else here. <laughs>
like uh, race relations like, or police like, brutality. Like, no, was, <laughs> like, no. Like, more, <laughs> more towards food related. Yeah, like uh, mega lasagnas and girthy hot dogs. Right? We had we our talk about that. we had our pasty hot takes of the day. That was our. What food happens if you put hot dogs in a mega lasagna? <laughs> You're all right. You need well, to get yourself a better paycheck. This episode of the Chasing McNaughton <laughs> podcast. Please check out our Patreon by join uh, and join by visiting patreoncom guide. If you'd like to go hear all the interesting stuff that happened in the final three minutes of Michigan Tech versus Northern on October 18th, 2003, if you sign up at the white level or above, you can get access to listen to that on our uh, uh, podcast feed from Patreon. Patrons that are black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content this week will probably be an hour. Uh Every podcast has an extended version that's only accessible by our patrons at the $5 level or above. Patrons, uh, we don't need to say that. Yeah, you should submit, or you can submit questions through our email address at chasingmac at techhockeyguide.com, where every week I try to push out uh, an article on our Patreon page asking for questions. And I do leave that one open for anybody to come check out and comment on. And we usually post that to Twitter and Facebook. So check it out and get us some questions. We could use more. Uh, Let's see. We don't need that. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, share, the more people we can reach. So tell your friends. We're going to try something new this year. If you give a five-star rating, and review dustin will read the review uh no matter what you say as long as it's not you know like racist sexist homophobic i don't know maybe dustin will read some of that i don't know <laughs> i'd hope i'd hope not <laughs> i hope not too uh once again thanks to our sponsor fibkey dental and rhinelander i bet they really love that i just said that right before we dropped their name and they got my commercial early in the pod. Don't worry. Yeah. Special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our new introduction and our patron St. Doc McRezin for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at the thank you been listening to the chasing mcnaughton podcast presented by tech hockey guide covering the michigan tech huskies and the ccha